Welcome to HLB Cross Border Business Talks, HLB's global podcast series on international business topics. So, hello everybody, and welcome to our podcast on cybersecurity. In the light of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, I'm discussing the most pressing cyber risks of today with our cybersecurity experts. Let me introduce to you Jim Bork, um, the chair of the HOB Technology Group and the HOB Advisory Group leader, Almerindo Graziono, a chair of HOB Digital, and Gustavo Solis, part of the HOB Digital leadership team. So our recent HOB recent cybersecurity report showed that since the start of COVID-19 pandemic, activity that could lead to data breaches has increased and 12% of the IT professionals that were surveyed actually experienced breaches at their organization. So if I move on to the first question of the day, um, why are companies still suffering from breaches? Are companies operating um, across borders more vulnerable to the companies that have offices within within a geographic location? Maybe I'll, I'll start with Jim on that question. Sure, Abu. So let's think about this. So why are we still suffering breaches? Uh, why hasn't the pandemic gone away, right? So when we look at this, you know, our staff are all working remotely. They, they continue to work remotely. They've been working remotely for the last seven months, and I really don't see uh, an immediate end in sight. So that is what's driving this, right? That's why they're still suffering breaches because, you know, we were prepared for this. We look at the survey that we had done. I think we said 58% of organizations globally were not prepared for a, a remote workforce. <clears throat> so that would tell me <clears throat> that 58% were not prepared. Uh, and we were prepared for the cybersecurity challenges that come along with that. And making it even more complex, we, we take a look at cross-border uh, vulnerabilities uh, we're all doing business. We do business in my firm globally. So, you know, that also increases our vulnerabilities uh, on the cyber side. Thank you, Jim. Um, Gustavo, your thoughts on this? Uh, yes, I, will. I think it, the, the, the key word here is uh, why are companies still suffering? And it still means that it's, it's a time thing. And... Um, I, I thought about this, and I remember the, the Moore's, Moore's law, and I, I don't know if you remember that. Moore's law said that, that the processing capabilities will would increase every two years, while the cost will be dropping down. And this is true. This has been true for, for many years, that, that capabilities are, are being increasing in technology, but the, the bad side of, side of the story is that these capabilities also increases for, for criminals, uh, for, for bad people. So every day, the bad guys have better tools, they have more technology, they have more, more inventions to try to attack. So I, I sadly believe that the breaches are going to be here for a long time, as long as we don't... Um, have a, a very fast pace development for, for protection and for, for awareness of people. So I think technology is growing for both, for, for good guys and for bad guys. In that sense, I think this is going to be a, a timeless issue. Thank you, Gustavo. Almarindo? I, I agree with Gustavo, and it's going to be a timeless issue. And um, you know, I am a man of hope. 
and um, I believe things always get better in life. <laughs> you know, they, they, they always said uh, the usual saying, if, um, you know, uh, it, things will get better. Now, the, the reason why um, I feel it's a timeless issue is because it's about human, uh, it's about the human involvement. Um, regardless of COVID and regardless of um, uh, what's happening at the moment, uh, many of us, or all of us, if we have to be sincere, uh, make mistakes. And in the security industry, in the business, in the day-to-day business, you know sometimes, well, many times you know what the right thing to do is. You just don't do it because it costs money, because you have a deadline, you have to cut corners. And that's when the problem starts. Um, you know, we had uh, configuration issues some, you know, some months ago. It was a tiny flaw, nothing major, but, you know, it's something that we, we know better. We shouldn't have done it. Why it was done? Because it was done in a rush. Uh, and that will never change. It's not about COVID. It's not about, you know, non-COVID. And uh, the, the main difference about COVID is that it's made the attack surface much wider and uh, much more assets are now reachable. And those uh, errors apply to a much wider um, you know, space. So timeless for sure. Great. Thank you for your opening thoughts. So one of the thoughts that I had, do you think the real failures are caused by maybe a disconnect between what cybersecurity is and, and maybe the decision makers? Are they investing enough into cybersecurity or do you think that the leaders of, of an organization know um, how to invest in cybersecurity? How much is is too much investment in cybersecurity, and how much is not enough investment? So, so you know, I'll, I'll start with that. So, when you think about this, you know, we weren't ready for this, right? We we weren't ready for this remote workforce, and we had planned. I mean, uh, like most organizations, they had budgets for cybersecurity, and I think we've all done a fairly good job with cybersecurity in our workplace, in our offices, and that was our budget. You know, I don't think anyone budgeted. I look at, at my own firm. We have 20 offices. Today, we have 1,300 offices because I have 1,300 staff spread all over the United States. So when I look at that, I wasn't prepared for that. No budget could prepare me for that. So I think the second time around, the longer this takes, it has become a, a, a huge issue for us, and it's drawing more attention. So we're trying to close those areas where there is potential uh, exposure. So I don't believe it's a case of businesses not wanting to have a budget for it or not having enough in the budget. I just think, like most, we were, weren't really prepared. Uh, well, that, that's very interesting, Jim, because uh, <clears throat> you may believe that they have enough budget because you always allocate budget to whatever you think it is, is important. But I think the, the root cause here is a lack of understanding from the business side about the, 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 the technology risk. Because if you are not aware of, of what really is the risk, you won't be able to allocate. You won't want to allocate money to that. And um, as a human nature, we always believe that the bad things cannot happen to ourselves. Would you believe that the bad things are going to happen to the neighbor? To the guys, to blocks from here, but you, you never believe it's going to happen to you. And sooner or later, bad things will happen to you. And uh, another cultural thing is that the business people, normally they are, they are immersed in, in financial 
uh, jargon. I mean, they're very good with numbers, with financial statements, economics, but they, they are not familiar with, with um, security issues. So because they don't feel comfortable discussing these these issues and, and uh, a governance uh, board because they they're not they don't they don't feel comfortable with that they delegate that to technical people so then we have a bridge we really have a bridge between business and technical guys because te technical guys they they know about bits and bytes not necessarily know about finance or or, or market or price whatever and on the other side the business guys they they focus on on uh, financial i think i really think this bridge is is getting is being closed because of generations the new generations are more savvy on technical guys and you can you can see that on my millennials they are they're more skillful using computers and, and they feel more comfortable with technology than the people they were in, the, in their shoes before. So I think this, this bridge between business and technology should be closing through time goes by. Thank you, Gustavo. Um, maybe a question for Almerindo then, just, just relating to this, um, this issue, why are companies still suffering breaches? Do you think that companies that are operating cross-border have a, a lot more on their plate than than companies that are maybe in in one location. Uh, and how do how do you think that then maybe that looks at the supply chain of that of that company, which is another whole subject. But may, maybe the first part of it is, do you think cross border business is a lot more at risk than than companies that are in single locations? Uh, I think. It's, uh, it's uh, more dependent on the type of business that you run uh, than on uh, how geographically dispersed or how many employees you have. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, a company that has, uh, is primarily IT can easily switch to, um, uh, to a home, working from home uh, mode. Uh, you know, a lot of people will be used to VPN, will be used to working from home or working anytime. Um, when we moved to uh, working from home, our entire staff, the the processes that were more um, um, annoying, let's say, were the non-IT ones, uh, where, you know, people are not necessarily, they're not used to working from home. And uh, therefore, if you look at organizations which are primarily IT or they have a large workforce in IT, uh, for them is much better than an organization where, you know, people have to come to the office. Um, and that's, uh, I think, th those are the ones that are more uh, more affected uh, because there you also have a mindset, you have uh, um uh, you have problems with uh, you know, the digital transformation of the, the processes, the standard processes, and um, that's that's my opinion. That doesn't mean that organizations that are full IT or that don't have problems, uh, because you still have you know the people that have to do the support. If they become unavailable, then who's going to do the support for the rest of the organization? Absolutely, completely agree. And, and just relating to that question, because we, we have seen, obviously, due to the, the pandemic um, across the globe, uh, majority of the companies are, were forced into remote 
remote working to reduce the disruption and, and maybe to continue the services they do provide to their clients. Um, as Jim mentioned earlier from our survey, we have seen that 58% of all respondents um, mentioned that they were not well prepared for remote workforce, um, especially those with global locations. So with this in mind, and moving on to the next question, um, Jim, what, what are the most common security threats that, that we're seeing today, um, bearing in mind that a lot of people are now remote working? So, sure, sure, Abu. So when we take a look at, you know, some of those threats that we see today, they all relate to that remote work environment. You know, it's, it's a combination of phishing attacks, social engineering, uh, all related, you know, to that remote work environment. And, you know, that is what really is given rise to uh, uh, a, a lot of the cyber breaches. I think in our survey, when we when we asked uh, those who uh, were surveyed, I think 12 percent had indicated they had been breached uh, during this period of time during the pandemic. And what really is it blows me away is 53 percent said they have seen an increase in activity that could lead to a breach. So think about this, 65% of those surveyed either saw activity or were breached that related to potential. And why? Because this activity, we've seen everyone working from home. So it's around, it's around things like Zoom and Teams, and it's around Office 365. It's around all of those tools that we're taking for granted that we're utilizing during this period of the pandemic. That's the new area of attack, and that is where we are all becoming very vulnerable. Uh, I would like to add the, that um, working from home makes people spend even more time in front of their computers. So that means that you, you, you spend your eight hours or seven or whatever they are uh, working with your computer and you get emails and you get distractions and the social engineering and, and the malware I mean, it's, it's, I think it's booming because you can get a, a, an email from a, a trusted account, but that account has been compromised from because the other guy just made a mistake. And suddenly you open a file and you will get infected or you will get a ransomware or whatever. So the, the probabilities of, of getting hit by, by malware increases just because of the fact that you spend more time on on a, on a cyber work, you 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 your work becomes uh, based on computer almost a hundred percent. Thank you, thank you, Gustavo. Um, just maybe a bit more in depth on that one for Amarunda. Maybe Amarunda, you could specify on maybe the the, the specific types of of um, common security threats that that are happening. Um, and for example, has, has we, have we seen an increase in phishing attacks, maybe an increase in social engineering uh, from your experience? Uh, yes. Um, the um, working from home and um, pretty much always on uh, working mode and most organizations, most people have now uh, experienced. Uh, I think as uh, we, we had a, um, we did some research recently and uh, Definitely the uh, phishing, uh, so business email compromise. This is where um, within, for example, the, uh, the organization, uh, phishing emails are sent within the organization pretending to be coming from, let's say, a senior manager and authorizing transaction or authorizing decisions. 
these are more on the rise. Uh, you have ransomware as a service because it's very, um, it's a very, um, it's a malicious activity, it's a criminal activity that is uh, very easy to monetize. Um, you have fileless attack that don't leave traces. You have uh, even um, a recent attack on uh, cloud services, uh, something that affected, for example, um, Microsoft, where uh, it's uh, it's very simple uh, to uh, put up a page to pretend to be someone else. For example, you know the login page of Microsoft or the login page of Facebook. And since people spend more time online, they can be more easily. Uh, well, the chances of getting tricked is higher. Uh, and obviously you have the, what um, I believe Jim was talking about, using the collaboration platforms such as Teams or Zoom as uh, now new attack vectors. So you use those to uh, either hijack a, um, a meeting or to use it uh, to spread some malware. Um, so these are some of the ones that we've seen uh, quite a lot of and increasing. And, um, and obviously, then you have you know, the Internet of Things, uh, uh, API breaches, but you know, these, are, these have been uh, around uh, and are on the rise, but those are the ones that I want to uh, highlight. Brilliant. Thank you. So, I mean, just imagine that how scary that is. We've all been um, working from home now. We've all been using new technology. Everything is fairly new for us, and so the likes of Zoom, Teams, Google Hangouts, and if they are now uh, susceptible to, to phishing attacks and, and social engineering attacks, it, it's very difficult for, for an end user to, to, you know, to be confident in, in, in using technology, for, especially with, with these um, on the horizon. So um, sticking to that sort of um, area, so we, we understand that uh, sort of many board of directors struggle to know uh, how much cybersecurity is enough for a company. You know, that's pretty much a subjective decision for, for an organization. Um, as Jim mentioned, 88% of respondents that we surveyed had made, had made some minor or major changes to, the cyber, to their cybersecurity protocol since COVID-19. Um, and with this in mind, and with data sort of being the, the, the new gold, how, how do you build a, a defensible cybersecurity program? How do you know where to start and how do you know if you've built one that's that's you know capable of stopping um, you know stopping the, these uh, these sort of attacks? Maybe Jim, I'll, I'll ask you to lead with that one. Yeah, sure. So Abu, so when we take a look at this, I always look, I always go back to the, the tenets of information security, and we tend to focus on three tenets. We look at data availability, data confidentiality, and data integrity. Right. And when, when we took our survey, uh, the respondents, and we asked them, uh, if, how secure do you consider the following three tenants, those three tenants that I just mentioned in your organization? And normally, in a normal world, I think a pandemic-free world, we would say we're pretty good. We should be 100%. Why? Because of all the cybersecurity rules, all the security rules around the globe, everything from GDPR around privacy to the new uh, rules uh, in Brazil. And, you know, countries are starting to implement these these rules across the board as far as cybersecurity and privacy. Uh, so they focus on data availability, as I mentioned, data confidentiality and data integrity. I was actually floored when I saw the response to our survey where it was almost one in five do not consider uh, these tenants of information security 100% secure. So that concerned me. So going back to your question, how do you build a defensible cybersecurity program? Go back to these areas. Look at the availability of your data. 
Look at confidentiality, keeping it confidential, uh, and data integrity, integrity uh, of that data. Focus on those three areas. You know, we have so many rules around the globe. Many of it, many of them start with what's called the NIST framework, which is uh, what many of the global security and privacy rules are built upon. Uh, so I would go back there, go back to NIST framework, go back to these tenets of information security that I mentioned, and just make sure that you've done a good job in each of these uh, these areas. Yes, that, that's that's very interesting, uh, Jim, because those three pillars you have to keep in mind. But the, the question comes when when the, the, the a manager or or a, or a, a C level C level person says, "Okay, how do I do that?" I mean, what do I have to do? And uh, it brings me back to to uh, an old um, structure, an old um, uh, principle that if you have a, an objective or a goal in, in your business, whatever it is, you will need um, different elements working together and, and in a coordinated way. Let's say you, you need like people. You need uh, people that are, are aware, are well-trained, and they're ethical. You also need uh, processes, you need policies, you need procedures, you need frameworks, and you, you need methodologies on how to do things. You, you need the structures, you need like an organizational chart, you need defini um, definition of roles, accountability, and obviously you will, have, you will need technology. And also you will need data. So you, you can call them enablers or, or elements or of a solution. But if one of those uh, elements, they don't work, you you, your whole solution will, will crash. We have seen many times that the human element is the weakest link in, 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 in a defensive element. Normally, normally a human is involved by mistake on purpose or whatever, but if you you really want to get results, you have to get all these elements working together and all at the, at the minimum level. Thank you, Gustavo. Um, Amrida, your thoughts on this? Um, my thoughts are very sort of. I have a very strong opinion on this, um, and um, especially in today's world where ninety nine percent of the business is through. Uh, digital means, the first thing that I would do is ensuring visibility on my assets. Uh, you have, uh, you know, a workforce with uh, hundreds of people. You have servers, you have mobile phone, you have laptops, okay? And, um, you know, the old way was, okay, so let me do an inventory of, of the assets that I have. The second, you know, the, the next best thing was, okay, let me get a software that allows me to do this digital inventory. Now, okay, we just, I think, given up on that because it's such error-prone and, uh, you know, um, flawed by human um, intervention. So let me just get some solutions that do the discovery for me and let me know what is available uh, on my infrastructure or who wants to connect to my infrastructure. And then let me begin with that to understand what is that I need to protect, at least from a digital perspective. Um, and then the second, I would always go back to the basics. And for us, you know, we, um, we've done a lot and a lot of risk assessments over the years for large organization and even small. 
And um, the basic principle is risk management. And, uh, and the risk management that I like is process-based. Basically, you start with what you need to deliver as a business, what services. You look at the underlying processes, and you risk assess those processes. And uh, you don't... Um, you know, you don't secure every digital asset or every person or every physical asset just for the sake of securing it uh, because, you know, the integrity, availability, and confidentiality that Jim was talking about is very important, but it varies according to uh, the assets. You know, certain things have, are more important available. Some things are more important confidential. And um, you make sure that you, you understand what it is that you need to protect because you can't protect everything. That's the bottom line. And if we try to secure everything, we become like a juggler who, you know, is trying to juggle too many balls, you know, eventually they will fall on the floor. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, interesting. Um, so what we're really, I think, getting to is that you can never be 100% defensible, but you should always try to defend your most valuable assets to the maximum. I think that's probably... Um, Probably a good way, good way of, of start starting to build a, a cybersecurity program. Um, so we move on to the sort of the next area. Um, so it's really more of a social perception that cybersecurity is uh, an issue for for the technology team, a technical um, person's issue. Um, and maybe it's best handled by technical people and people that are cybersecurity experts. Um, so from our report, we've seen that there's a 53% increase in activity um, during this period, COVID period that could lead to a breach. So my question really is to you, what role can accountants, accounting firms play in helping their clients manage the risks? And what opportunities are there for, for accounting firms? So, so Abu, so I, I look at HLB. And HLB, what is HLB made up of? HLB is made up of accounting firms, tax firms, uh, and, and, and firms practicing in the advisory space, in the, in the, in the digital space, in the cybersecurity space. So, you know, when I look at that, that's what we can bring to the table. So why accounting firms? Uh, why HLB? is because we have surrounded ourselves with individuals who not only understand finance and financials, uh, they also understand the risks associated with the breach and the technologies around them. So that's what we've uh, done with our firms through, around the globe is that, Yes, you need to know about financial, but you also need to know about cyber. And that's where we bring the best of both uh, to the table. So, you know, when I when everyone says to me, well, why an accounting firm? Why a CPA firm for my cybersecurity needs? Why? Because we look at the vulnerabilities around the financials, around the financial statements, which are most at risk. And we have made it a, a mission of ours internally at our firm to hire uh, the best individuals in the space that have that knowledge around cyber and cybersecurity best practices. So together, it's a perfect match to help our clients in this area. Yes, and, and uh, building on top of what Jim just said, uh, I believe that the, the key issue here is knowing your business because everything uh, moves, moves around the business. And uh, the, the accountants and the, the CPA firms, I mean, they, they know the business. They, they, they know what the, the goals are, what, what the risks are, the vulnerabilities. And there is a, a, um, an area between technical and business worlds. And sometimes 
the things that are in that area belong to no one. They're, they're in an emptiness of responsibilities. And uh, there are like uh, business controls that de depends on technology. So if it, if it is an IT-dependent business control, whose responsibility is? Is that a responsibility for, for business guys or for IT guys? And normally, nobody cares about that. And sometimes the, the, the criminals and, and bad guys, they take advantage of, of that, uh, those, those vulnerabilities because they use the, 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 the company's own tools, the, the apps that the company have for their customers, they don't, they don't even have to, to break in. They, they use the same tools that a, a legitimate customer does but they do. They use them for malicious purposes. So who is going to be looking at those things? And I think the, the CPA firms they have the, the the right knowledge to to understand the business and to identify all the vulnerabilities, whatever IT is involved. Thank you, Gustavo. Um, Anurinder, your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are um, that the accounting firms or companies that are involved in the advisory and financial advisory and auditing of other firms, they actually have the inside knowledge of how bad decisions affect the business. And um, if, uh, as uh, Jim was saying, you equip yourself with the, the right uh, digital skills and security competencies, you can actually provide as a uh, as an accounting firm or a tax advisory firm with the capabilities to not only advise on financial matters but also to advise on technology and security matters because you basically can see the effects of good decisions, the effects of not taking the right decisions, and uh, you can be effectively a one-stop shop for an organization that needs to reassess its digital strategy and security decisions in a way that is not only cost-effective, but is aligned to the business goals um, of the organization. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think I think um, accounting firms are, are exactly in the right positions to, to ask the right questions. And so many times we've seen business leaders asking the wrong questions maybe leading to poor investment decisions. So I think that's, that, that's a great position accounting firms are in. Um, we are running a bit um, near, near our, our deadline time. So maybe one final question, um, uh, and this is looking to the future. So, you know, we've seen um, technologies like large scale production cloud services. We've heard a lot about blockchain, 5G, AI, machine learning, um, and all of, these, all of these new technologies offer tremendous value uh, to companies and to, to firms, but also provide new opportunities for, for cyber criminals as well. So maybe just a, a quick um, quick around the group to see maybe what are your top security risk and trends that are on the horizon. So so mine would be, Abu, around around data. We you know, all of us, the whole world, we're pushing more and more data out in the space. That includes personal data, private data, financial data. So with the big push to migrate all this data out to to uh, to uh, to the cloud and to uh, publicly available uh, platforms, I think we all become have greater exposure. 
Uh, so again, I, I think that is an area of vulnerability that we need to constantly invest in, that we need to constantly monitor. And uh, it's only going to get worse as we move off of uh, migrate away from legacy systems to cloud-based systems. Uh, so uh, again, it's a, it's about the data and the massive amount of data that we're putting out there. Yes, I, I will also um, add that the the mobile devices, the smartphones. So because more and more the, the end users having in their tablets, in their in their personal devices, they have access to to corporate information. So we are uh, multiplying. The, the 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 access the access points to our corporate information. So uh, one of the major risks that I see in the future is that the 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 the, the mobile devices, smartphones, uh, uh, tablets will be given opportunities to to breach information, to breach the, the our controls, and to give access to to corporate information. Thank you, and Almerinda. I think it's going to be about data. Um, the, the biggest risk I see is that, uh, and this has been uh, emphasized by COVID, working from home, uh, there is going to be a great uh, uh, mix between uh, company data, personal data, um, and uh, and I'm not talking about cloud-based services. You know, those you know, you know what you're buying, you you know, you get a service. I'm talking about the data that crosses boundary. I have, you know, my own phone through which I access the, the work email. And then, you know, I have, you know, a hard disk where I keep both things. And um, lack of control is going to be a big risk because all of a sudden companies will have leaks that they are not even aware of. And the leaks started a long, long time ago. Um, that's why, I, again, I, as much as I am a big fan of cloud, uh, I'm also a big fan of data protection and, <laughs> and uh, again, process-driven. Look at, you know, what does your process require? Does it require data to be anywhere? No. Um, so I don't think we should just uh, embrace cloud and be driven by vendors who want to make everything easy and, you know, seamless and uh, I think we should be driven by our security requirements and business requirements. And I don't see a lot of that happening, and I think that's where the major risks are going to come from. Brilliant. Um, unfortunately, guys, we've run out of time uh, for this for this podcast. I, I'd like to thank you, three of our experts, um, Jim, Gustavo, and Almerindo, for, for your um, fascinating thoughts and insights. Um, I'd like to thank all the guests for listening as well. And just a reminder that you can download the full report at um, hob.global slash cybersecurity. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about this topic and other cross-border business insights, visit www.hlb.global forward slash insights.